Yeah, there's a conference call tonight. Is Marty Katz on the call? Uh, about Hugh Wells. Yes, I'm on the call. I'm here. Oh, there you are. Okay, Hugh. Um, okay, let's go over your lead. Uh, everyone, if they could start, fix their phone so that way we can listen to uh, uh, the, the leads that um, Hugh from the great state of Texas have on uh, that he submitted in. He's got a couple of leads here. We want to go over one he tried to get in last month that we didn't get a chance to go over because uh, uh, it was a little late. But I want to go over because he's got some great leads over here we want to kind of talk about. So Thank you. if you can, star six your phone. Uh, the mute off the background, and you, with the exception of Hugh, uh, let's go over that. Again, my name is Alton Jones. I'm one of the mentors from the great state of California, and I'm helping Ron Grant out by getting through this call. My apologies for the technical difficulties, but I think you understand sometimes you uh, got to go go with the Army you got. And right now, uh, we got folks uh, trying to pass people along. So we're going to get to tonight, value out of it. So what I'm going to go over is Hugh. You have a, a gold club lead that you received on a property at 16, well, I won't say the address, Antelope Trail? Yes. Okay, let's talk about that one. Okay, ready. Now, this is a gold club lead, right? Yes, it is. And uh, the amount owed on it should read 22000 not 42000 Okay, one second. This one actually reads 60000 Uh That's the asking price, yes. Okay, the asking price is sixty thousand. Okay, and your comp is what ninety five thousand one sixty eight. That's correct. Okay. And this is a three bedroom, two and a half bath, right? Correct. Two car garage. It's about thirteen thirteen hundred and ten square feet, right? Correct. Single family. On what size is the lot? How big is this lot? Oh, you know? I don't have that cat in okay. front of me. No worries, no worries. So he owes about forty-two thousand dollars on the first mortgage, right? No, twenty-two thousand. Twenty-two thousand. Okay, twenty-two thousand on a first mortgage. Do you know what his monthly payment? Did he indicate what that was? Uh, no. Okay. What is what is your rental compensation? What are your rent compensation you pulled up? It should run right about six ten at that. Property there. Okay, six hundred and ten. Yes. Okay, folks. Just so those folks know, when they're when you guys are getting leads out there, and we all do it, but we gotta make sure we try to get some valuable information. So, folks, uh, there's somebody in the background that's got a very loud noise. If you could start fix your phone, so that we can get up the background. I got a heavy breather on the line there. So so if the heavy breather could start six day phone, that'd be great. Thank you very much. I appreciate that. So we got six hundred ten on the rental comps, right? That's so, correct. Now you have you spoken to the seller? Yes. Okay. And what did the seller said he wants what? He wants sixty thousand cash. Okay, so you want sixty thousand cash. Yes. And and, he, and what did what did you present to him that you wanted to do? Did you present some kind of terms? Yes, I did, and uh, he said no to the terms. He wanted uh, sixty thousand. He wanted to pay the closing cost, and we pay our closing cost. And there's no uh, repairs needed on the property. But you indicated that the property is worth uh, ninety-five thousand. That's correct. I got real comps on it. Okay, so the question is, 
do you want to pay cash for this house? Or how can I do it? Uh, that's correct. Well, there's one way I like to do when I'm talking to sellers, and, and this is the, well, here's the deal. The problem you got here with this house, he owes $22,000, right? Correct. So you could find out what does he really need. Does he need all $60,000 of his money today, right now, or would he be able to take a little bit now and a little bit later? He's Being wanting to, to hang in, but, however, he was talking about uh, uh, listing it with a realtor not too long uh, a couple of days ago, he said, well, I'm going to probably have to go ahead and list it. Well, that's some, uh, 6% right there that we could drop it down. So if he's thinking in those terms, but I wanted to talk to you guys first to see if I should try and just take care of the 22 and then pay him in terms over the rest of it. But he's really wanting to come up with that 60 so he can buy another house. Right. That's the issue you got there. But here's the deal. Here's the way I've done it. I've done this before many times. And uh, I, I learned it from uh, Ronald Grant and Brian Lynette Wolf, and it's called the Super Seller fi Financing. Super Seller Financing is getting the seller to refinance and cash out their needs. The bottom line is he wants sixty, but really he had to get sixty because he owes twenty-two. So Correct. what is he really getting? Because he owes. He, if he wants sixty, he owes twenty-two on it. So that's going to leave him over with about you know thirty-eight thousand. Correct. He needs. To, he's going to get. So um, the question is, so he needs $38,000, and plus he was willing to pay the phone call. The phone call is That's correct. Okay. So so really, he's not looking at 38. He's looking at somewhere around 36. Ah. You know? <laughs> or maybe even 35. Correct, he's yeah. To, he's got to pay closing costs. So the numbers keep going down and down. So what is two couple of things. One. You can cash him out, take over the next subject, too, and just say, hey, uh, if you got a private lender to give you $35,000, you can cash him out, you know, from there. Correct. Here, here's $35,000. You're out of here. I'll take over this thirty, $22,000 debt, and then you go ahead and pay that mortgage and pay it off sometime in the future. Okay? Right. Because right now, you said it's worth 95000 as is. Yes. But what if he was to refinance that property and, let's say, um, uh, enough to be able to get what he needs to get his $38,000 out, okay? And then you have a higher first mortgage, and then you take over that mortgage, take it over that debt subject too, and, and leave him getting his cash out. You take over the first mortgage, and then you turn around and uh, sell that thing on a, on a finance basis, on, on a sweat equity or whatever have you, for, let's say, you know, one point, I mean, uh, $115,000, a little bit oh. higher than what the market price is. That's right. Because now you control the debt because you own it. You follow me? You true, own that true. Because, and he gets what he wants. He gets that cash out, and he's gone. He's flying away like a bird. Right. Because at the end of the day, if you refinance cash out, he gets his money, he's gone. Who's taking over the debt and responsibilities of the house? You I are. understand it. And you pass that, that responsibility on to the tenant buyer. Who's tenant buyer. From Absolutely. Or you right. can on the AIPD because Texas is very unique. You have some different rules than you have throughout the other state of the union. Right, so right. So you can still settle on the AITD as well and then um, be able to uh, get him out of the picture. He's got his money. He's gone. And you got the deal. And then that way you don't have to come up with any money out of your pocket. That's right. Okay? That's what we call the super seller finance. You know, and that thing is very unique. I've done a ton of those things. I've done things like that in the high six-figure market, three, four, five hundred thousand dollar deals. Wow. So why would somebody give that? Because they want out. 
What is their motivation? He wants out. He's willing to even pay the dad gun closing costs. To get right, out of right. Deal. When he's offered up money like that, man, you need to take that sucker and run with it. Now, again, that's one option. That is one option. The other option is what I talk about. I kind of alluded a little bit is this. Okay, well, maybe you got somebody parked away somewhere. But bottom line is how far can you go down on the price to get this house if you were to cash him out and pay cash for it? And when I say pay cash, I mean pay cash by taking over the debt. Okay, without having to him having him to refinance. If you're right, okay. that's willing to give you some sweetheart, you know, terms because you're talking about a small amount. What's right. the most what's the least he'll take? Will it take twenty five grand cash and walk away and then turn the house over to you and you take over the responsibility of getting that subject to that? Oh my goodness. Those are two options that I use all the time. I love it because I'm coming up with no money out of my pocket. I'm coming up with no stress. The seller's getting what he wants. The tenant buyer's getting what they want. Everybody happy. That's right. The question is, does he like you and trust you enough to be able to understand what you are presenting before him or her? Right, right. Okay? You got to present an option of a win-win. So, folks, I know a lot of noise. We got a little off to a rocky start at the beginning of this call. Well, I just sold you the golden ticket. This is the Willy Wonka ticket to rehabbing, or not really rehabbing, but actually you can buy a house and rehab it this way, too. Just That's so right. You know, I, yeah. do, I do a ton of those like that in California. I mean, I do a ton of them. Oh, my goodness. Hundreds of thousands of dollars. Because imagine you have to buy a house. You don't come up with no daggone money, maybe if any little bit of money with this closing cost, and you are able to secure that property at a high amount. Now, you already know the property's worth $95,000. Correct, right. He's selling it to you for a lot less. He just want a little money because he knows he's got that debt. He don't want to pay for two houses at the same time. Okay? Right. Okay. Now, now, remember, remember you got your objection cards, your object, objection handlers. Because now, the one thing, and, and this is the objection that you could get, is, well, how do I know you're going to pay my mortgage? Because that's valid point, right? How do that's I know right. you're going to take over my mortgage and, and pay it, and I'm not going to be in foreclosure if you don't pay it? Right. Well, guess what? Here's what happened. Well, Mr. Self, I just gave you, I just took over responsibility of you getting $30,000 out of this house, and you walked away, and, and you don't have to pay for no first, mor- first mortgage, first monthly payment. You don't got to pay no taxes. You don't got to pay no super- I'm paying all that money, and I'm going to put all my money, my private money, to fix up the house, get it marketed to, get the right buyer in there to be able to pay me a monthly payment. I'm taking over that big, huge financial responsibility. It's going to cost me tens of thousands of dollars of my own money out of my pocket to put into the house that you just sold me. Do you think I can pay you a little $600 payment? Right. Okay. See? Exactly. You just took it away. Because why would I want to not pay his little $600 monthly payment when I'm putting tens of thousands of dollars of my own money into his house. Exactly. I use that, I use that exact clothes on a house I just finished that I bought, and now it's on the market as of tomorrow for $525,000. I picked it up $27,000. Wow. Just did that. That clothes shuts them down. The only reason why they'll come back an objection over that again, another objection, is because they don't like you or trust you. True, true. That sounds right, yeah. So you've already had dealings with this guy. You know how motivated he is. Oh, yeah. He could listen and sell it, but you could always show the, the nightmare. See, it's not just 6% that he got to deal with with the real estate agent. It's also the attorney cost that he's got to pay, too. 
So you just take that, take that. That's gonna be another fifteen, eighteen, maybe two thousand dollars in cost to him, other that's, than the six percent. That's right. He could be looking at eight thousand dollars right out the gate. You know, and then depending on taxes, because taxes are due right now, he could be adding more taxes. And you know, in Texas, the taxes are much higher than they are in other, most other states. You're exactly right. So he could be looking at ten grand off the number that he's looking at getting. Right. And you can save him from all that. All you got to do is spell it out line by line by line by line. You spell out the worst-case scenario to him, and not to mention it may be in good condition to move in-house, but if it's just vacant too far along, a whole bunch of things can happen. That's true. So true. Thank you so much for that one. You're welcome. You're welcome. So, so now that we beat that one to death, I think we uh, we look at the kind of structure you would want to do on that. So in this one, I think and, and you would buy this house on a way where you could take it over subject to or AITD and try to figure out how you can, you know, comply with the state of Texas rules and regulations of, of acquiring that property, present it to him, and either having him refi cash out, pull out the money, take over the debt subject to and do it that way, or you turn around and get you private money and get the lowest possible cash price. You can just pay him off and have him put the deed over to you, and, you're, and he's out of there. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Yes. Okay. So <laughs> – so this is the one that you was trying to do last month. And like you said, luckily the property is still available, right? Yes. Yeah, I've had three of them, three more still left. Four, four, right, those right, four are right. still left from last month. Okay, okay. So now I've got these next uh, three here. i got one on, on Main Street. Let's okay. do it. Let's talk about Main Street. Okay, so I'm Main ready. Street, go ahead. So now you got an uh, asking price of 350000 uh on this deal. Your comps show 225000 Correct. He owes two hundred thousand dollars. Correct. At four percent, paying eighteen hundred a month, right? That's right. Let's see here. He said yes. Uh, that let me see here. He said yes. That um, he would consider doing the lease option or yes. some kind of seller financing. Correct. That's but right. I didn't know what numbers to give him. You know. To... That's okay. That's right. You don't want to give him no numbers yet. You ain't even seen the house yet, right? Uh, yes, I have. Oh, you have? Okay. Okay, so we're talking about a four-bedroom, and is that, is that say five baths? That's correct. Oh, wow, that's huge. 3,454 3, square feet. Correct. That's on one eight. And that's a big, huge house. Uh, it's made of stone. So what year was this house built? Uh, I have it at, uh, I'm looking at the comps here. Okay. 2008, uh, 2008. 2008. So that's fairly new. Okay. So now, he's, he's going he's to store in a Watson driver. So do you want to do a wraparound on this deal, right? That's what uh, he already has a wraparound. Oh, he has a wraparound? Okay. From what? Now he has a first and a second on this right now? Uh, let's see here. Is there a private loan on this right now? He's got a loan with Shane for 200 grand. Yeah. Are there any other loans out on his house? Uh, no, not that I'm. Uh, not that he's told me about. No. Okay, I got somebody in the back. Well, some other. You got a business going on. Can you start fix your phone, folks, in the back? You can That's not your phone. You. I'm here. I got somebody with music in the background. 
Okay. So, so Hugh, on this yes. one here, the uh, um, is there any other piece that he's supporting? Wow. I think you asked me if it was, now the wraparound is for something that he suggested. Oh, he suggested doing a wraparound. Yes. I don't know if you can hear me or not. Hey, hey, Okay. One, 
You can you can turn around and say, hey, carry the paper for me with nothing down, no payment for the first nine days, and you can get in the smoke after the price, okay? Nothing down, 200000 and you get terms where you can get 8 to 10 years. 18 years? Eight, no, 8 to 10 years. Oh, 8 to 10, okay, yes. You try to get as long as you want. Yes. You try to get as much as you can. And he ain't going to give you 30 years. He could give you 30 years, but you ask questions. How long How long before you need to be cashed out? He may not need to get cashed out. He may just want a little extra money, or he may need money to move. Right. And that's where you come in. Typically, when a seller is trying to sell a house on their own without using agents and it's free and clear, they still want to be in the game. I found that out many times. The sellers just want to stay in the game. They just want a little money, extra income. Right. If he's, getting, if he's getting what they call his mailbox money every single month, that's like a part-time deal. So the question is, what is the area renting for for that this type of a house? Uh, that one we came in at, uh, that was the three-bedroom. Yeah, the three-bedroom. 850 on that one. So 850 is on your comp, right? Uh, that's correct. Okay. The rent comp. So, so I would assume, Mr. Sheldon, we could do this with nothing down. So uh, normally, this normally we like to do, so here's how I can buy your house, Mr. Seller. I could buy your house with owner financing, which means that you would carry the paper, I would pay you your equity and monthly payments until such time in the future I would cash you out fully. Okay? It could be three to five years, but I like to get a little longer term depending on, because I'm giving you something, because your price is really over the top. Okay, I have nothing. And you can ask him the question before you go into that. How did you come up with your price, Mr. Seller? Ask that question. How did you come up with the price of $200,000? Because you know what's funny? I checked every area of the computer with Zillow, Redfin, you know, any kind of so you I checked the internet up and down and sideways of the houses in that area that are similar to yours. I couldn't find anything at the price that you, you indicated on here. So how did you come up with your price? And then you shut up. Right. I say some ridiculous thing that my agent told me this, or I had a friend that told me that. Well, that's understandable. I can appreciate that. But let me tell you something, Mr. Seller. I would love to pay you exactly the full asking price, but my bank ain't going to allow me to do that in the future. They won't allow me to pay $200,000 for a house that they know is only worth maybe one hundred and fifty. Or 100, 120. So we have to be reasonable because when appraisals are sent out to a house to inspect the property, they're going to know what houses in the area have come up to be, you know, the proper range. Exactly. And I just believe your your property is probably overpriced by fifty, sixty thousand dollars 60000 I hate to say it to you, but no matter what, if you're putting your house on any marketplace out there, it's going to sit forever. It's just not going to sell. Okay. Now, you would agree that if you're going to go out and buy another house, would you consider? Would you would you be reasonable buying another house for fifty thousand dollars more money than it's worth? Would you do that? Would you put the ball back in their court, and they're going to say right. no. There's no way I would put an extra fifty on top. That's like saying to people who don't like to pay taxes, "Oh, we pay more taxes." Well, you can pay more taxes to the government if you want to all day and night. Uh-huh. They would gladly accept extra extra tax payments out of your paycheck if you want to pay more taxes. But in this case here, you're not, buying, you're not paying tax. You're paying more for a house that will not appraise. And if it does appraise, it won't be for another five to ten years. So if you're going to give me an extra ten years to pay this house down so I can 
know that the value will be there at two hundred thousand five to ten years from now, I'd be glad to pay you two hundred thousand dollars today to pass you out in ten years. Got it. You see what I mean? Oh yeah. Here's the here's the deal. You always negotiate a fully amortized principal interest payment so that you get the benefit of the pay down. Okay? I got you. So so you got enough. Oh. You can lowball and say, hey, you know what? I got one hundred forty-eight thousand. I tell them one hundred forty-eight thousand with maybe, and you tell them I can come up with the first and last payment, first first last security deposit. You know, right. you're only giving three payments up front as a down payment if you give a down payment because if you want the down payment, you want, you're trying to put the least amount down or nothing down. Right. Which is better? But if again on a, on typical free clear houses that are investment property. Those fellas a little bit more sad than the average person that don't know. But because he's military and he needs to maybe get out of town before sundown and he don't want to be responsible for that house while he's, you know, doing his tour of duty somewhere else, maybe right. overseas, he don't want that responsibility. All he wants is mailbox money. So let's go back to the old thing. Well, wouldn't it be nice, Mr. Seller, to get some mailbox money every month and you don't got to worry about tenants, toilets, and nightmares like that, or taxes or insurance, that somebody like me is here to take care of all that pain that, that's probably uh, edging on you right now. So let's figure out how you construct a deal. I think if you construct a deal that's beneficial to him, beneficial to you, it's going to work for your end tenant buyer. And the tenant buyer, uh, we yeah, we're going to get some upfront money with that from that one side in the first place too. You better believe it, man. This Got it. See, see, the deal, deal is, we don't sell the way we buy. Correct. We don't the way we buy. We always got to make sure our back end is protected. We want to get paid money on the front end, in the middle, and on the back. Got it. That's, that's, that's three times. That's three the hard way. That's what I call it. Three the hard way. Okay? So if you ever play craps, you always want to bet on the hard ways. Have your hard ways on because they pay a lot. Uh, to so the tenant have- buyer, what would you suggest the selling price be? Well, depending on what you're buying it for. If you're buying it no, at 200 no, grand. Uh, the tenant, uh, tenant buyer. So if you're buying it, so the tenant buyer is going to buy it from you. Great. What, so what should we sell it for? It, well, again, it's going to be based on what you're buying it for. Okay? So if you're uh, buying it for 200000 remember, realistically, if you're buying it at 200000 and that price is way off the mark, it's going to take a while for that 200000 to grow to the price you're giving. So that tenant buyer is not going to be able to cash you out in 36 months. I the got it. The values may not be there. So, folks, listen up. If you're buying a house above market price, it's okay to do that if you're going to have long term, 10, 15, 20 years down the road, to cash that person out. But if you're looking at buying something that's above market or at market, you gotta you gotta plan for some room and time and value to increase. And that value is not going to increase in two to three years by sixty grand. Unless some aberration happens. So you can't set your tenant buyer up for failure because that's gonna be irresponsible. You can't do that. Right. So you have to look at the hard numbers and have a you know, a real serious talk with the seller about that price. If you were getting that price, that's for instance, at the river, the seller is free and clear. It's not like he got to pay a loan off. So he's got to be very reasonable when he's offering the price. He got a free and clear house. It'd be different if the property, if the seller owes one ninety on the house and the value is only two hundred, right? 
Right. You know, that, that's easy. That's harder to deal with because he's got to pay something off. But if he's free and clear, let's not be greedy, Mr. Teller. You got a free and clear house. I know you may have paid two hundred thousand dollars in this house two thousand seven, and the values have not come back yet. But you don't owe anything on the house today. So let's go ahead and be reasonable with the knock it's going to bear on this house. So one forty eight is probably the most that that house will be. One maybe even one fifty might be the most that this house is going to be able to bear. So you're okay. going to mark that property up to maybe one fifty five, one sixty five, because you're going to give your tenant. A little bit longer to cash you out. Let's say you give them 36 months with another uh, 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 automatic renewal uh, after that 36 months for one more year to extend the contract one more year automatically if the values don't increase by then to the 165 to cash you out. Uh. So, so in essence, you're building some time in there for them that will that way you don't have to renegotiate the contract. You know, and start all over. Okay. You know, you're selling because you're going to buy long enough terms. You always buy long enough terms. Let's say you got five years or six years with your seller, but you're giving your tenant buyer three to four years to cash you out. Ooh. Just in case Murphy comes knocking at your front door. And Ron LeGrand knows that Murphy's always in effect. What can go wrong will go wrong. Nine times out of ten. I just had this happen recently a month ago. My tenant that was in my house that gave me $8,000 down, you know, for two years and, and gave great monthly payments, you know, over a period of time. They decided, well, we don't want to buy the house no more. Great. Congratulations. See you later. Bye. Non-refundable money. Now the market is back on the market again, and we're going to get another probably $10,000 down on another house so we can do the whole thing all over again. As a matter of fact, we increased the rent monthly, so we're going to make an extra $200 more per month because the tenant moved out. In perfect condition. Didn't have to do anything to the house. They wow. left it immaculate. But they knew their deposit that they gave us was non-refundable. And they were glad to, to, to leave that money behind and let us start all over and make another eight to $10,000 on that. Wow. So you're doing the same thing because nine times out of ten, you're probably going to get a tenant that's going to be in three years, five years, and then decide, oh, you know, I got a job change. Oh, I'm going through a divorce. Oh, I decide I don't like the house anymore. And they move. But they're going to leave behind that non-refundable deposit that they gave you. And you're going to go back to the old drive board and do it all over again. This is why you give yourself an extra year or two years of time to cash your seller out. But you could always go back to your seller and say, hey, you know what? I'm going to need an extra one year, two years, three years. And they'll be glad. As long as they're getting their mailbox money, they happy. Right. That makes sense? Yes, yes, yes. Thank you so much, Elton. I don't want to monopolize the time tonight. <laughs> right. Now, 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 yeah, yeah. So you, you, is there anything else you got? I know you had a bunch of them over here. You had, like, I got two of them out there. So what I think we want to do is I think the one that was on um, Garth, did you want to talk about that one or you want to pass on that one? Nobody here. I'm here. Who's there? Who's that there? That was Hugh Still Wells. I'm going to go ahead and mute out. Okay. Okay, who else I've got on here? Is it Amandi? Amandi on the call? Okay, how about Marty? Marty, are you on the call? If Marty Katz on the call. Huh. Just start the call from New York City. All right, New York. Hey, how you doing? I, I, this, I'm this, good, this, I'm good. Is this Marty? Yes, sir. It sure is. Uh, awesome. 
this is a t really tough, uh, tough connection here, but uh, got lots to say. Okay, let me just do real quick. Now, just so you know, anybody that's on the call, they can on the call late. If you can back out, mute out your background noise, do a star six. Star will mute out the background because right now I hear somebody with a bunch of papers in the background, you know, like yeah. they're doing the accounting. Or so yeah, that's better. perfect. Star so six. Star six. Star six, mute out the background noise so that everyone can enjoy going on the call. Everybody hit star six, star six. Hey, so, Marty, you got a question, right? Yeah, I had a question. I, I see you, you actually touched a little bit on that, but uh, I, I'm in the beginning of the deal where I'm getting uh, pushback from the uh, – from the uh, seller just questioning, you know, wh where's their guarantee? You know, they don't want to get started, uh, doing selling the house again in three years. Okay, and you know, and I love that. I love that uh, because that's a great objective. So, like, Marty has a deal. I'll read the question. He goes, Marty has a single-family home. Uh, the seller is willing to do a lease purchase and give three years with great terms. And the only objection that the seller has is if in three years – he does not hold on this house. Be concerned that he will be stuck again with the house and have to, uh, and so uh, you know, stuck with the house again. Uh, so he wants to know what's the response to the objections to make the seller feel more comfortable with the lease purchase. I love that. I love it because that is a legitimate concern to the seller is that what happens after three years? Well, remember your relationship that you have with the seller. Here's, here's what goes on, Marty. Imagine you got a tenant buyer in there paying you every single month like clockwork, right? And, and yeah. you determine based on the price you're trying to buy the house for, that you bought the house for from the seller, and the tenant buyer is going to buy it from you. What if the values take a dip and the pricing goes down and you can't, re you can't cash them out because the values of the property goes down? That's, that's a force of nature. That's all beyond your control. You know, those economics. So what you have to have the ability to do. So, Mr. Seller, look. We're in the business of making money, and we're in the business of keeping you happy. At the end of three years, and after 36 months, you got payments on time without clockwork, without having no issues whatsoever, and not without even getting a single phone call about four tenants and nightmares. But because the market dropped down to a point where we can't cash out because the values are down, wouldn't it be reasonable for us to extend this time for another 24 months or maybe another 36 months or even another 12 months just so we can wait until the property values come back up so that that time a bank or underwriter can look at the values of our house with an appraiser and say, hey, the market value's back up. We're willing to give a loan on this house to cash this house out. And they would do that. Knowing that, remember, the tenant buyer is putting a certain down payment down. So whatever you're buying it for, Whatever kind of money they're putting down, that's what they're going to have to get a loan for, the difference of what they put down, okay? So if that value is not there, that's a legitimate concern. You can prove to the seller, hey, you've been getting payments on time. You've never been called for about anything else. You've been getting your checks every single month. Why wouldn't you consider extending the time for two years to three years to allow the marketplace well, you know, that's pretty fact, but before, before we even get to the point where I'm giving him uh, rent every month, he's saying to me, she's saying to me, 
you know, listen, I'm trying to sell the house and uh, give me three years, but, you know, in three years, I got to come back and I got to resell this house? <laughs> no, they don't got to resell anything because here's the deal. You're cashing them out. See, you're making a deal with them to cash them out. But you're really, right. your tenant buyer is cashing you out because your tenant buyer is going to get along. Okay? Oh, so, so, yes. Yeah, that's, 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 that's theoretical. But, uh, you know, I'm trying to convince this seller that that's what I'm going to do. And, but they're, you know, they're a little bit uh, paranoid. They're a little bit, you know, a little bit, they don't know me well, from yeah, a hole in the wall. You know, I mean, you know, it's just a, it's, it's a way of, um, no, no, I guess it's a convincing game, but, uh, no, you know. Not a convincing game. Hold on. Here's what you got to do. You got to have the seller understand that today you're buying, you're, you're doing a lease purchase. Tomorrow, no matter what happens, they still got to do the real estate transaction. The real estate transaction is not going to happen today. You're doing a long-term lease option with the option to buy so that at the end of the three years, the real estate transaction will occur and title will transfer. See, you're not doing a transfer of title today. Right. The title transfer is going to go tomorrow. So, yes, tomorrow in three years, they have to come sign the deed over once you exercise your option to cash the house. Right. That's what happens. It's not like they got to go resell it. They just have to come do legitimate paperwork to transfer title. That's done with the attorney, right? Right. So that's the difference. I want you to see It's not like they're gone tomorrow. They're gone. They're gone today forever. When you're doing a legal option, they're preparing their paperwork today, so that in three years, when you go to cash them out, they got to come back on sign up that deed or one TV to get released and get, and get the rest of their money to paid out. Okay. So there is a there is a two step process. The process of doing the lease today for the people we're going to buy for. At time comes, you get the bank loan. They do have to come back and feed over the They got to go shopping for another buyer and hire a real estate agent and all that stuff. During this process of doing this lease option, it's going to explain every step of the process for them. That's why they're turning on your team. That makes sense? Pardon, you still there? That makes sense. Okay, so 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 just so I'm clear, and you and I are on the same page. You're you're the seller. I'm the buyer, right? Party, I'm going to buy the least option, option to buy. I'm going to give you X amount of dollars over the next 36 months. When I see the cash you out, and we're going to transfer the title. And I am so sorry. I'm waking up so badly. It's so hard to hear. I'm sorry. You know what? Yeah, somebody's got a lot of background noise in the back. Folks, if you can star six your phone, uh, otherwise, no one's going to hear the call. It's star six. Star six, star six. I still hear somebody in the background. A little better. Oh, and I know we this got a little I think you have a bigger challenge than just the house. Bedroom? Hello? Hello? 
Marty, you still there? I'm here. I'm here. Okay, so that, does, that make, does that clear up in your mind how you can explain Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I basically uh, get the concept. And look, the bottom line is, uh, uh, you know, it's a good deal, uh, but the uh, the seller has to be uh, motivated enough to uh, to understand that if they don't uh, go my way, then there's no other way to go. Well, no, they can't. I mean, the only way they got to go is they got to listen to the property. That's going to cost them a bunch of fees for real estate agents and stuff like that. They got to go through, and that could be very frustrating. Do I need Do I need a lawyer to uh, have them uh, sign a lease agreement with me, or no? I would always get a lawyer to protect your interest with them because you don't want anything to be confused. Them, them, them accusing you of. of of uh, some underhandedness or something dishonest. All we have to lawyers to put up to that. So, so in other words, once uh, if we do have an agreement and I come up with a lease, uh, I should have them check it out with their lawyer first. Absolutely. That's fine, too. Yeah. Have, have them have their lawyers and have your lawyers. But at the end of the day, everyone's interested in You know, most lawyers are uh, deal killers, so that's always a problem. What, what the right lawyer? You want the right lawyer that's familiar with doing type deals for Well, I have the right lawyer. Okay. Well, if you have a good lawyer, it's always good. And your lawyer can talk to your lawyer. They're saying have a lawyer. But you don't want the lawyer making decisions to sink your battleship. You know what I mean? Because then you don't you lose your deal that way. You make the decision ultimately. But you have your choices advising you what the legal way of doing it so that you stay compliant. You know, it's the seller that goes to uh, goes to their own lawyer, and the seller, you know, it's usually their cousin, and they say, "Oh, uh, you know, they wouldn't recommend it." So I've had that problem once before. So, um, well, you know, I had to tell you, Marty, the deal of the century comes along at least once a week, and you're going to get people who don't see the value to what you're doing. And, and and you are looking for the people who are looking for you. And you got to go through enough of these deals to talk to enough sellers uh, over a period of time to figure out which ones that you want to work with. You choose to work with the ones you want to work with. They don't choose to work with you. You choose to work with them. And that's how much value you have to give yourself over, uh, you know, dealing with somebody you don't want to deal with. All right. All right. I hear you. All right. Anything else? Oh, oh, thank you very much. Thank you. Well, I hope it helps you. I hope it helps. Let's see. Who else we have on the call? I was looking for, I believe, Amandi, A-M-A-N-D-I. I can't pronounce the last name. It's O-G-B-U-N-U-J-U from Houston, Texas. Okay. okay, they're not on the call. Is, is there anybody else who has a question who uh, they want to address? I'm just going to open it up and see if anyone wants to ask them. Hello, I have a question I expect in. Okay, uh, state your name, what state you're from, and who you recognize. I can barely hear anything at all with all the background noise. Yeah, I've been trying to get folks to start, start mute their phones, but it's not just... Sometimes it works, sometimes okay. it doesn't work. <laughs> My name is James in James. Akron, Ohio. Okay. Okay. Um, James get, uh, in Ohio. Yes, sir. Did you get the um, facts for me? 
You know what? No, I didn't. The only thing I got was the ones that I was rattling off. I only okay. got two, three students that sent things in before the cutoff time period. I didn't get anything oh, I sent this in uh, last week, like, I don't know, Friday or something. Anyway, Ooh. here's the deal. Yeah. Um, I bought a house. Um, uh, basically, for the debt, like $2,000 down I gave them. Um, however, the, the seller was a couple of months behind on payments at the time. So I made a judgment call, right or wrong, and I, instead of buying it subject to, I bought it on a wraparound land contract, knowing that the seller was about to file bankruptcy. Oh, wow. So now uh, they filed, obviously. The meeting of the creditors is here in three weeks, and my attorney is very concerned that um, even if the trustee wants to work with me, that the lender uh, probably will definitely want to call the loan due and foreclose. And um, I've already sold the house on lease purchase. Um, oh, man. So, uh, yeah. <laughs> so the only thing I'm thinking here is obviously um, – now the note is about seventy-eight thousand dollars, and I sold it for one hundred and thirty. But nobody knows that, and I kind of um, created this value out of thin air, frankly. So as far as they're concerned, it's probably only worth eighty something. Uh, but anyway, you know, obviously I don't want to pay off that note. I'm, I'm not going to personally guarantee it. I'm not going to pay it off at face value. The only thing I've come up with is perhaps um, get in touch with the lender and. Uh, look into some kind of a short sale, like maybe I'll just pay them 40 cash or something. Well, let me ask you this. Did you, uh, have you got a authorization to release information? Yes. Okay. So you have, you, you can communicate to their lender on their behalf at this point, right? Uh, well, I could, um, I really have not except to make payments. I did bring the loan current and I've been making payments on it. Well, that's fine and dandy, but you need to make sure you have authorization. Before I would have sent any nickel to the lender, I want to make sure that I have an authorization release so I can communicate and find out what the status of that loan is, and any mortgage statements will come to my office so I'll know what's going on because the seller sounded like that they kind of did something uh, underhanded and, and, and not kind of tell you with the full truth of what was going on. Did you say that? No, 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 no. They, they, told me, they told me up front um, – I, I just, uh, like I said, I made a judgment call, and uh, um, here I am. <laughs> so, so you knew they were going to follow the BK before they did, the, before they did, before you actually bought it. Yes. Okay. And now the only reason I didn't do it sub two was because, uh, and, and here's a judgment call. Um, uh, they were a few months behind, and it was a foolish judgment call now in retrospect. But mm-hmm. I was concerned that because they were a few months behind. If the lender saw the deed transfer uh, with under the extra scrutiny of them being already behind, then perhaps you know that might put her on sale. So because of that, I just filed on the wraparound land contract, and here I am. Well, let me ask you: What is the bankruptcy court saying? Have the bankruptcy what is court, what? Uh, the bankruptcy court now is the house. In, how's the house involved? Is the house involved in the bankruptcy? That's what I don't understand. Um, all I got is one letter. It's a notice of the meeting of the creditors, which is in a few weeks here, and. Uh, I, I gave that to my attorney, and, and that's about all I know. So are you recommending that I, using my authorization to release information, contact the lender directly and talk with them now before the meeting? Absolutely. I think you need to find out what's going on with the lender first. Okay. But, but, so they, I can, but, but they can, they can but the bankruptcy court can freeze those assets, hold those assets to be transferred. 
I didn't understand what you said there. It's a lot of echo saying, and feedback. Yeah, sorry about that. I was saying the bankruptcy court could halt those assets before any transaction could occur. If anything could occur, would occur, they would reverse Now, I'm not an attorney, so I I don't know. I, my partner, who's an attorney, he's a bankruptcy attorney at that. And uh, it can get very murky when you're dealing yeah. with bankruptcy uh, rules and regulations, things that happen before or after, before or after the bankruptcy court is trying to protect the creditors. I, I, I'm not hearing what you're saying. I think the bankruptcy court is trying to protect the creditors. Hello. Hello. How about now? Uh, that's better. There's just an echo still. Yeah, let me see here. Man, this deck was happening all, all through the call. Well, I was, I was excited about what you're saying. Sounds like Jimmy Be guided by what your attorney would say, but also I would get the authorization to release to the lender so that way you're on the record as a person who can speak on, on the sellers, on the, the, the borrower's behalf. Okay, I always get the authorization related, so I have that on file. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So as long as you can call today or tomorrow to that lender, and you can get a status of the loan. And okay, well, I know the status of the loan because I've brought a current and been paying it, so it's a current loan now. Well, no, I mean, but I'm just saying, you know, but are you getting statements sent to you? No. I would get those statements to you. ASAP. You want to get a change of address and have all mortgage statements come to you. That's that's number one. Number two, make sure you can find any everything about what's the status of that loan. Okay. okay. So normally what I do is don't assume that you know. Normally I just um, use the the seller's login and I make the payments on the internet. So you're saying I should call the lender and and change the address for the billing address for the loan. Right. Right. To my office address. Right. You're not changing the name on the loan. You're just changing the address. And then you and then you're authorized to speak on behalf of that person. Okay, so right now that authorization to release is just sitting in my filing cabinet, but I need to uh, make the lender aware of that and yeah. Yeah, make the lender aware of it. Sometimes they'll take faxes, sometimes they'll take email. Um, okay. But see, it takes them a few days to process it to allow you to be on the record. And once you're, you know, you're on the record, you can talk to them till the cows come home. They'll give you anything and everything you want to know about that loan. Okay. And, and that way your seller is not trying to do something behind your back you don't know. And you can know what Oh, no, no, no. They're, they're just they're a couple of young kids, and they moved no, on, no, no. and they don't want anything to do with it. They're not trying to play no, anything know, funny. I understand that, but you just want it because, you're, because this is your asset now. This is your house, and you try to make sure that all – this is a business decision about your business, how you got to protect your business because it can be taken from you. It's just bankruptcy thing, you know, can get murky. You know, that way you want to be guided by what your attorney tells you. You may want to get yourself a bankruptcy attorney advice as to what happens in this situation that you have before you, you know, things that happen before and after the BK. So you want to make sure your asset that you've already purchased is protected. Oh, yes, sir. Uh, my attorney that I use for real estate transactions is awesome, so perhaps I could uh, ask him for more of a specialist recommendation for bankruptcy. Right. Okay. So now just to bankruptcy just to clarify, I'm having a very hard time hearing you. You're saying that I should contact the lender 
and have the statement mailing address changed to me, correct? Yes, yes, yes. And that also I need to make connections with a bankruptcy specialist attorney for more specific advice. Right, right. Okay. All right. Well, I hope that helps. Thank you very much. Yeah, my apologies for the echo in the background. It is what it is. Anybody else on the call that has a pressing uh, question? I have a question. Okay. Who am I speaking to? Say your name and what state you're from. Okay. Uh, my name is Deshane, and I'm from Toronto, Canada. Okay. Give me one second real quick. Real, real quick. Okay, anybody that's on the call, if you can start to fix your phone until we uh, open it up again, I want to I want to get this on the phone. Star six. Okay, state your name again. Deshane, and I'm from Toronto, Canada. Okay, go right on there. We got somebody way over. Yeah, uh, I just had a question about. Um, the differences between how it is in Canada and how it is in the U.S. And if there's anyone I could talk to that's doing it in Canada right now, if you if you know this or anyone that knows how it works in Canada, because I know you can't do short sales. That's like the only thing I don't know. Like you can't do short sales in Canada. Yes. I, are you a Gold Club member? I am, but I just actually not. I just um, stopped it because I was doing the. I, had, I did the dollar deal. Yeah. And then it just ended. Well, you need to start it up again, my man. You need to start that sucker up. That's a wealth of knowledge and information in there. There's, we have a bunch of Canadians uh, uh, that's in the company, you know, you know, students doing deals over there in Canada. And I know Ron goes over there and does some programs from time to time. Uh, actually, he's going to be going out there real soon here, uh, I think the next month or so uh, in Canada. Or, but I know that there's um, – uh, students that we have, and I think what you need to do is, as on the Go Club, they're all kind of on the um, the blog or questions that you can ask uh, about things or get kind of like connected up with some students. If not, just call the office at Global Publishing, and they'll definitely direct you to somebody that's locally out there in Canada that can help you. You're in Toronto, right? Yeah. Yeah, this, we have a bunch of students out there in Toronto. And, uh, as a matter of fact, I met a few of them. Uh, we were at the uh, Great American Real Estate Summit, and, uh, and they're doing very well out there. So uh, I would definitely contact the office, uh, unless there's somebody on the call that's, other than, that's on the call that's also from uh, Canada and, and Toronto area, and that way you can, you know, maybe network with them. Because I, try, I tried um, writing on the forums, but no one really asked. Well, I, I found one person. But they're okay. in the same position that I'm in, where they just they just started, or they just found okay. out, and they haven't really they haven't really done any deals. No problem. Here, I, called Global, okay, I called Global. I called Global. Yeah, I called Global Publishing, and they said that um, the last thing people want is like a, a, a lot of people calling them, asking them about the business and everything. So I don't know what else to do to find someone because I haven't been able to find anybody that's doing deals in Canada. I mean Toronto yet. Hmm. Okay. Let's see. I'm trying to think. Hold on a second. I have a I hear an automatic some kind of automated sound in the background. 
You hear that? Yeah, I hear. I hear. I don't know where it's coming from. Like, hey, folks, somebody's got a uh, um, uh, automated uh, call going on in the background. We have to at least start start six your phone so we can hear uh, the students. Well, I know that we do have some students. I don't have their number in front of me or their name in front of me. I could probably get it to you. Um, what I want you to do is contact uh, Joy over at VIP Services at Global Publishing. And she handles, because I'm one of the mentors, uh, she, she can direct you to one of the mentors that deal with the folks, the students that are in um, Canada. So that's Joy Joyner over at Global Publishing. Ask for her, and she'll be able to direct you to the mentor that's handling the students over there in Toronto, Canada. And that way you can at least... Uh, um, trying to find the people that you can network with out there and find the group. Do you have a real estate investment group that's out there in Toronto, Canada right now? Um, I tried, I tried looking for one and I found one, but it's like, it's, they do different things. It's, it's not really one that, um, I haven't been successful in finding one, actually, to be honest, because I, 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 I looked and then I found one, but it's like they're doing like something like what Ron's doing. Like they heard of, he heard of Ron LeGrand, but he's saying that um, I can't do, he told me that I can't do any of that stuff in Canada. Uh, well, that's not true. I know that, <laughs> probably, yeah. So I think he's just trying to get me. Don't do Ron LeGrand stuff. Do my stuff. Yeah, yeah, that's, that's what happened. Exactly. So what you want to do, like I said, contact Joy, Joy Joyner at Global Publishing, and she'll be, and tell her I told you to call her, and if you're looking for somebody who um, can mentor you or guide you through maybe either some, uh, uh, connect you up with some students out there in, uh, in Toronto, Canada, so that way you can get a better feel of, of, of how to implement, you know, some of the things that Ron teaches uh, in his program. Okay, so Joy Joyner. Joy Joiner? Joiner. Like like uh joint like J O I N E R. Okay. And what's your name? Joy Joiner. My name is Alton Jones. Alton Jones. Okay. And I'm one of the mentors here. Tell her that you were on the Gold Club call that I was running out here and I suggested that you give her a call, uh, and, and, and find out where you can be directed to, um, so that you can get the information you need. Okay. Okay. Sounds good. Okay. Yeah. All right. Anybody else on the call? Anybody else got questions? So now here's what I can do. And, and I'll go into it real quick. Uh, things that we're doing out here, uh, in the pretty house business in, uh, in California. And it's not unique just to California. It's all over the country. But uh, I'm going to go into a presentation mode, so that way we can get out a lot of the background noise. All right? Hold on a second real quick. Put my glasses on. The conference is in lecture mode. Okay, folks, so here it is. I mean, uh, now that we are in presentation mode, I know a lot of the background noise are kind of uh, was kind of kind of crazy and dealing with the uh, echo sound. I hope you don't have to deal with that right now, now that I'm in presentation mode. Um, but uh, we have some fantastic leads here. Uh, some of those leads that we are dealing with on these last few calls, I mean, last few students were um, lease options, 
uh, and some were uh, taken over debt subject to or even owner financing. And you can do a combination of both. I've done a lot of these deals where I'm doing owner finance, I've done lease options, and I've done um, taking over debt subject to and a combination of, uh, of, of, one of or one or two of those deals together and to get deals that either I'm going to turn around and lease option to a tenant buyer or some of them I'll do where I do a rehab, fix it and flip it for $100,000 plus or more. Uh, I just finished one that we have on the market that's coming out. We're going to be making a uh, $150,000 profit on and, and that's out of four months, you know, basically uh, 16 weeks. And that's pretty good income if you're thinking about, what, you know, having systems in place and using the pretty house techniques all from the beginning of yellow letters or having a VA call and having a system that's on autopilot where you got people out there that's really doing everything for you that you need to do to build your business. Because, you know, uh, I believe in, and, and it's okay to copy cat as long as you copy the right cat. So what I do is I copy what Ronald Grand does. I copy what the Wolf Couple does because they are guys are pioneers who've led for years uh, uh, the, the road, uh, if you want to call it a yellow brick road, if, you know, if you want to, but of things that they know that work for this business. Is it easy? Heck no. None of it's easy. You're going to talk to more people, and more people are going to tell you no, and some people are going to talk, call you all kind of crazy names. Uh, I've had people, matter of fact, I'm in my office right now, I've had people send me my own letter back within a letter and say, take me off your list. That's okay, folks. That's part of the game. Somebody has the audacity to open up my daggum letter, read it, and write a note saying I'm not selling my house and send it back to me and put a 48-cent stamp on it and send it to me. Ain't that something? I mean, why can't they just throw it in the trash and forget about it? I'm not going to call that person up. I'm just going to say, great, I see this person don't like my letter. Uh, I, won't take, I will take him off my list. No problem. And, and that way you keep moving. Because if you're sending out two to 300 of yellow letters a week, or if you're making your VA make outbound calls and you're sending out maybe, making like maybe, you know, 25, 30 calls uh, where you're actually making contact per day, uh, 20, 30 calls per day, either yourself or your VA is doing it for you, you're going to get a result, folks. You're going to get a result, but guess what? You ain't going to get no result if you're too busy getting ready to get ready. You're not going to get ready for, you know, putting up your website, you know, figure out how you can structure this and setting up your office and getting all, you know, that, you know, analytical with it. Sometimes you just got to go out there and pick up that 350-pound phone receiver and make a call and be told no. And you got to suck first. Suck first, suck first, suck first. Because if you suck first, every call will get better and get better and get better. And then eventually you'll have sellers eating out the palm of your hand. I had somebody call me today that they want to sell me a house. I say, well, I only have to buy your house because I don't have any money. I can buy it on terms. Are you willing to do that? Sure. So what are terms? Okay, they explain the terms, and they think that's the greatest idea. It's like the greatest thing since sliced bread to them. You know, they just want somebody to give them a little bit of money, some little walking around money, a little income stream where they don't have to worry about tenants, toilets, nightmares, and headaches. This is a great business. The the greatest thing about this business, folks, is you get to start all over every single day, every single day. So if you didn't like the way you, you operated the business today, well, go ahead. At the end of the day, you fire yourself. And tomorrow morning, you rehire yourself, maybe with a raise, and you start all over again and do it better and get better. If you plan your work and work your plan, you can have nothing more than success. If you go to some of the quick start schools, I mean, that's one thing about Ron. 
you could go to the quick start school in the first year. Heck, every one of those things. You, you get on a plane and fly around to each state that he's in for the first year, you get to go for free, you know, just repeat the course, you know. And he, my first year as a student, I came to every quick start school, every business management school, all these. I was like, I couldn't get around. I was flying two or three times a month to follow around on what I needed to learn because I was dead serious about my business. If you're not going to be dead serious about your business, you're going to treat your business like a, a business or you're going to treat it like a hobby. What do you want to do? We got to, you don't want to play around with this thing. You got to figure out what can you do. The first thing you, I, the Wolf Couple told me when I was, they was mentoring me is that you got to get the marketing out there. Alton. You got to get the business on autopilot. You got to hire your local assistant. You got to get these letters out. And guess what? I put my daggum nose down and did exactly what they said. We ended up getting eight deals in my first six months closing. You know, so is it hard work? Sure, it's hard work, but it's going to be the most highly paid hard work you'll ever do. But it's not going to be like, you know, laying asphalt, working in the hot sun, you know, or like what I used to do for a living, dodging bullets. I mean, literally, I was dodging bullets for a living for years, working in the police department. Man, if anybody knows my background, man, I was getting shot at in South Central L.A. like you wouldn't believe, you know, and having fun. <laughs> but at the end of the day, as I got older and older, I realized, man, you know, I get a little slower than, you know, as far as getting kind of hard to dodge those bullets when you get older because you move a little slower. So uh, you got, you got to basically get your plan and action. Go figure out, get out there, roll your sleeves up, you get a jersey put on you, and that jersey says, I buy houses. And you go out there and tear it up. Even if you fail for it, you're going to fail and you're going to be successful. You're going to take the winning shot. You're going, to mess, you're going to miss most of the time, but most of the time when you don't miss and you get that one deal, you make ten, fifteen, twenty, thirty thousand dollars 30000 In our cases, in our deals that we do out here, we don't make no less than $100,000 on every dumb deal. One deal we did last year, we made over $840,000, okay? But that's more than most people make in 10 years of working, you know? And you can do it in one year, 18 months. You know, it all depends on what you want. What is your goal? And see, it's not about the how-tos, folks, okay? It's all about the why. Your why has got to be more important and bigger than anybody else's. Your vision has to be big, and you need to be able to tell people about your vision. And when people bring you down and tear you down saying that thing don't work, great. You put them on the old yell list. And the old yell list says, okay, or what Ron calls it, we call it the shut-up check. You just show me the check, shut up. You know, get out of my way. I love showing shut up, shut up checks. Or in some cases, I don't get a check, I get a wire, and I'll show them the statement. Here, shut up. <laughs> so if you want your money fast, you get a wire. You want a check, you want to show them, it takes a while to clear it. But at least a shut up check or a shut up wire or whatever you want to call it, I've been telling a whole bunch of folks to shut up over the last couple of years. And I figured out this business quickly that this is the base we're going to be able to plant our flag, have our kids involved in our business. You know, we travel, we take our kids with us to some of these events with us. And they have a great time. They learn at 10 and 12 years old what their mom and dad does. So when you build a business, it's something that you can pass on to your kids and they can teach these basic fundamental things of being able to not have to worry about going to, you know, the big banks, the regional banks, the national banks to get a home loan. They can learn how to do seller finance. They can learn how to do lease option. They can build a business. They may decide, you know what, I like this deal. I would love to move into it. But it's just too much money on the back end. I think I'm going to sell it to make money and send the kids to college. You know, and you can buy stuff locally. You can buy stuff nationally. It doesn't matter. You know, you have a business you can build on autopilot, and you can travel the world and be able to do right for not only your family but so many other people as well. 
But uh, I'm gonna take it off and see if anyone has any questions because I don't want to I don't want to take up everyone's time. I really want to uh, tell you how much we appreciate you. Uh, we got a lot of other events that's coming up. I encourage each and every one of you definitely go to uh, around the grants new program he's got called the time management that's going to be in June. He's also got a business management man. Business management is an awesome, awesome program. I love that course. That that's going to tell you about building your business and the how tos and how you make your money. But the time management because I find that I talk to a lot of my students, and they just don't make time for themselves. They don't make time for their business. If you're going to be in business for yourself and you want to become financially independent, you got to plan your work and work your plan. Time management is important. you got to put three hours a day or three hours a week. If you're going to put that in there, you got to stick to that. You can't sit there and say, well, i got this full-time job. I can't do this, and i got the kids' basketball, and i got the kids' PTA, and i got this, that, and the other. you got all these excuses. You're going to either make excuses are you going to make money? But you can't make both. So you got to figure out your priority. That's why you can set things because there are sellers out there waiting for you, folks. They're waiting. They're begging for you to come rescue them. We had a couple of students on the call tonight. They got some good ideas to go back to these sellers who address their concerns, and it is going to be a cakewalk. I can't see these students making thousands of dollars on deals that they got because of this phone call and this conference call we had tonight. And um, I'm just really fortunate and blessed to be a uh, having Ron uh, trust me with you guys on the phone to be able to help you guys out. Uh, apologize for all the background noise that we have there. It's one of my first ones I did here. I hope you got a lot out of it, but I'm going to open it up in case anyone has any questions at all. The conference is no longer in lecture mode. Hello, Go ahead. Who's this? Oh, it's the Shanahan. Can you uh, hear me? Much, uh, yeah, I can hear you. Okay, state your name again. Deshane. Deshane? Yeah. Okay, what state are you from? No, I'm from Toronto. Oh, okay, go ahead, buddy. Yeah, I just want to know how, how much hours do you put into your business a week? How many How many hours are who spending per week? Me? Yeah. Yeah. Well, I'm full-time in the business, so I probably work maybe 30 hours a week. Okay. 30 hours That's a week. I mean, we're talking about this. This is, You don't have to work 48 hours a day. I mean, 40 hours a week in this business. I think I'm doing a lot more than I should be doing. I probably should be working five hours a week. That's what I like to work. But but see but see here's here's the one thing I learned from Ron McGrath and, and folks this is big I learned this when I was sitting on a doggone airplane when Ron was flying across the country and I was with him in first class and I learned from him that he's always working. There's nothing wrong with work, folks. You working when you're thinking. Our business is talking to folks. Our business is coming up with ideas. Either you're going to work for somebody who thinks or you're going to be thinking. I'd rather think and let people work for me because I think. And because I think, I make more money. If I'm a doer and i got to put my hands into it, i got to be the technician in it, I'm making very little money. But if I can think and build things and systems in place and let those people who are work for me make those things realize, and I'm, co- I'm basically organizing and coordinating, and I can hire people to organize and coordinate the things that I want to be done. Because I'm thinking about the ideas. I'm the thinker and the boss of the business and, 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 and put these ideas in place and let folks implement, implement, and then I can just 
uh, trust, but verify that things are getting done. So you can work that business, and, and, and it's okay. I don't want you to think that when I say we don't work for 30 hours a week or work for five hours a week, that we're not working. I'm working when I'm on vacation because I'm always thinking about how can I make my business go faster. Now, see, I have now multiple different things that I'm doing in my business. I'm not just doing uh, lease options, rehabbing houses, seller financing. I'm also doing information marketing. I'm also doing raising private money. I'm also uh, doing things that are volunteering to my community. There's a lot of things that I'm doing where people may say, you work too hard. Man, I don't think I work hard enough. Because if Ronald Grand, at his point in time in life where he's at his age, if he's still out there outworking me, why not me? Work as hard as him, and his power is way bigger than my power. So if i got to have a power that's just as big of matching what he's at and doing what he's doing in this business, I mean, this guy, think about it. He'll do a four-day boot camp, and, I mean, he's pretty much the only speaker going through the whole thing by himself for four days, straight speaking from sunup to sundown. If he can do that, what's my excuse? He's setting an example that, man, if I want to be as big as he's going to be, i got to do what he's got to do. Because if I want to have what he has, i got to do what he does. And he thinks about working all the time. Even when he's on vacation, fishing, the man is working. Every year he goes salmon fishing, okay? He goes on a cruise, he's thinking and working. He goes salmon fishing, he's thinking and working about how he's going to take his business not only his properties he buys, fix, and sell, but also his global publishing business. How he can make it bigger? How can he make it better for the students that are involved in his business? Why not me? How come I can't do that? What can I do in my little sphere of influence out here in Southern California? And California is a big state, a lot of people with a lot of money. So he set an example for me to lay a path to be able to allow me to go out there and become successful in my sphere and influence out here where I'm at. And you can do the same thing in Canada. You just said there's nobody in Canada that's doing what we're doing out here in, in the United States. Man, that means it's wide open. You haven't even scratched the scratch of the surface of what's going on in this business out there. And look at how many years Ron DeGrand's been doing this for since 1982. You know, I was in high school then. Okay, and he and this he hasn't even captured a fraction of the market. So there's plenty of folks out there uh, uh, for you to go see houses to buy, houses to sell, products to buy, product to sell, product to create. And you know, the world is your oyster. You just gotta decide what you want out of it and go for it. Failure is not an option. I hope that helps. Yeah, that helps. Okay. Alton, I have a question for you. Yes, sir. Um, this is Serge calling from the Seattle area. My question okay. to you is, um, what is your favorite method to generate leads? Okay. I love yellow letters. I love them. They, I, they're on autopilot. Yellow letters are my favorite by far. I order my yellow letters to Christy over to yellowlady.com. She sends me okay. my packet. I just got a shipment in recently, and I send about two to three hundred a week. Okay. And my yeah, that's, phone uh, that's the only method that we've. Day. That's the only method that we found uh, that actually uh, has sellers calling us. Yeah. You said two to three hundred a week. Two to three hundred a week, like clockwork. If I can do more, I do more. And who do you I send the letters to? What? Uh, 
or what type of uh, uh, type of print product. Now, personally, now you don't have to do this, but I do this. I'm telling you what Alton Jones does in his business here in Southern California. All right, y'all can do what y'all want, but I'm telling you what I do. So you don't got to do what I do, but you ain't got to have what I have either. So I sent out to free and clear or high equity, but definitely absentee owners. They have to be an absentee owner, which means they don't live in the property, okay? It's a vacant property. They don't live there. They rent it out, and it's got to be either free and clear or high equity, which means they owe very little on the house, okay? And they've owned it for at least 10 years on title. That's my criteria. Okay, so- oh, also, the criteria is single-family home. I'm not mailing to duplexes or, or, or condos or, or townhouses. Mm-hmm. Okay, so free and clear, high equity, absentee owners, uh, single-family homes. Right, and, and you could say you could also say out-of-state owners. So that's kind of like out-of-state owners. You get out-of-state owners, but there's very few out-of-state owners. You may end up getting uh, absentee owners, people who live more than, you know, 100 miles away from their subject property, okay? Mm-hmm. Because I found that you only get very little amount of names when it's out-of-state owners. I mean, they're out-of-state. There's a lot of people own properties out-of-state, but you'll get more people who live interstate, but they don't live within 100 miles of the house. And where do you get your lists from, the, the free and oh. clear, the high equity? Who, who, where do you get your uh, lists? I, I have my own personal, personal list broker I use that I cannot divulge anymore, but you guys can use the any any service out there to get that. Now, normally when you go through Christy, um, with the yellow little lady, she has a service of a company that actually uses the um, uh, a list broker for you. Mm-hmm. Okay, and they're able to, you know, to to pull a list together for you that will meet the criteria that you're looking for. Okay. Another another quick question. So, out of the yeah. two hundred, out of the two to three hundred yellow letters that you send out, how many deals do you do on average? Well. I'm looking for particular deals. I'm looking for deals I can rehab, but I'm also looking for deals I can do pretty house. What I get, I can tell you this, I get responses. About 200 a week, I'll get probably 20 people to call me. Okay? So, and now, not all of them want to want to do business. They all want to sell a house. Some of them don't want to sell a house. Some say, take me off your list. Some tell you, you know, I don't want to sell my house, but my house is already sold. And, you know, two or three a week, you may get maybe two deals a month out of that. Mm-hmm. Okay? But okay. my deals that I do make me $100,000 because I'm marketing to the right list. So if I'm mailing out two or 300 a week, but I'm getting two deals a month, and my deals are bringing me $100,000, that's not a bad income. Now, you could turn around and amp it up a little bit more or reduce your criteria a little bit more, and you might be able to get more deals per month. You may be able to get three or four or five deals a month. I can tell you this, most of the people, 90% of the people will tell you no. Probably 90 plus percent of people will tell you no, go pound sad, I don't want nothing to do with you. And that's okay. You just got to go on with the mindset that most people will tell you no, but you always get good at your craft by being able to. Now, I personally call my lead. I'll call my leads in my office that call me for my yellow letters. I will call them. I will have a conversation with them. And if I get a hold of them and they get on my phone and they answer it and we're talking and engaging in conversation, we're going to do a deal. I don't know if it's going to be a rehab deal, cash deal, or owner finance deal, but we're going to do a deal. 
or I'm going to recognize instantly that that person is a prospect or a suspect. And if they're a suspect, I get rid of them off the phone within a minute or two and then move on next. Just because somebody calling you on the phone and say, I got a house to sell, doesn't mean that they're a prospect. They could be a suspect. Or Do you have a virtual assistant? I have a local assistant. Okay. Mm-hmm. I have a local assistant on Autopilot that helps me uh, with my leads that call and my mailers. And you can, too, when you get to the point where you're having enough income generated in your business, you can afford to put a local assistant in your office. And it doesn't have to take forever, folks, to do that, you know. Sometimes you got to go out there and get after it first, get you two or three deals under your belt. That way you can bring somebody in part-time. They don't have to be full-time. You can get somebody who's a, a college student working part-time 10 hours a week, 15 hours a week, and get them on the phone. Give them a script and let them go at it. That's easy, you know. And then guess what? If they get a deal, give them a bonus. You know, and that's what that's what I do. You know, and, and you know what? There's, there's people out there who need work left and right, especially veterans. There's a lot of veterans that need work. I'm gonna tell you something. You go hire you a veteran in your business, you'll get somebody who's who's got discipline, esprit de corps, motivation, and can work independently and have leadership. Find a vet. And and hire them in your bits part time. You won't regret it. I promise you. I have one. An easy one. Does that did that help you out? Yes. Thank you very much, Alton. Appreciate it. Okay. Good thing. I have a question, Alton. Go ahead, sir. Who's this? This is Nick in Nashville, Tennessee. Awesome. Nick from Nashville, Tennessee. Man, I got property out there in Memphis, Tennessee. Outstanding. Outstanding. Is there a monthly phone call? Is there a monthly phone call for Quick Start alumni? There is a call. Uh, I'm not sure if it's monthly versus quarterly, I can uh, I can find out, and uh, we could probably post something up. I know that you usually have a, a, uh, a quick start alumni uh, course, uh, like a like a like a refresher uh, quick start school uh, for the quick start alumni. They do that twice a year. But as far as the call, I'm not sure if they have one. I don't think it's every month. I I believe it's probably every quarter, but don't quote me on it. I have to check with them on it. But I know that they've had it before in the past that we've had all the the the, the, the alumni on a call at one point. Uh, I know usually usually. Before that course comes up, when they actually have the course, whether it's in Jacksonville or somewhere else, they usually have a call the week before, a couple of days before that event starts. So, but but you can find that out on the Gold Club. Are you a member of Gold Club? Yes, I am, and I called over to the local office a week ago and. Uh, I, uh, I think you you were breaking up a little bit. What? You said you call over to Gold Club. I mean, uh, yeah, to Global I Publishing. To global Publishing, and I got different answers from different people. Hmm. They definitely had a sleep call, but uh, they didn't know anything about it. Well, I'll find out, and I'll make sure that they put something out either on the Gold Club website to, to kind of notify people 
or when the calls are. So usually they're pretty good at putting that information out on the Gold Club website, sending emails of when the up and coming calls are, or they put a put a uh, something on the website letting you know when the next calls are. Who else Thank is there? You You're welcome. Hope that helps. This is, this is Nick from New Jersey. Nick from New Jersey. Two, two nicks in a row. Uh, I got a question about the yellow letters. Um, I'm just starting out, and I'd like to, to uh, send yellow letters out. As a new, um, you know, new to this, where should I be driving my calls to? Well, on your yellow letters, you should be driving all your calls to Pat Live. Pat Live? You, you, you have a Pat Live set up already? Not yet, but I will after today. Absolutely. I would not send out one stinking letter unless I had Pat Live. Because here's the deal, folks. Pat Live works every single day, seven days a week, even on Sundays and holidays. Matter of fact, even on Christmas. Okay? No matter if it's 3 o'clock in the morning, Pat Live is on. Okay? And sometimes when you're busy, like on a conference call like this, and you get an all-important seller call, and you can't answer it, or if you answer it, you might miss something important on the call. When Pat Live takes that call, they're on. They got their scripts in front of them. They're going to answer the phone in the name of your, 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 you know, your company, your business, or your name, and be able to get that information from that initial seller so that you don't miss that call. They can get information from the type of property it is, how much they owe, what their monthly payment, and their reason for selling. There's a lot of information. You can't operate this business without Pat Live, and if you do, you are a fool. Okay, you should not be using anything other than Pat Live to be able to get your phone answered. Because if you think that you want to answer all those calls all day and every day by yourself, you 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 got you 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 fooling yourself. You're fooling yourself. You want to be having a business that's on autopilot. That way, you could do other important things like think about how you're gonna grow your business. And if you get interrupted by a seller call, that's gonna interrupt your growth of your business. It's better for you to be able to have somebody who can take that call for you professionally and then pass all the information to you. So that's for when you get that information on that, that sheet, you're looking at it like, oh, Mr. and Mrs. Smith called me about the house over in Pomona, California, three-bedroom, two-bath. Uh, they owe nothing on it, and they're looking at doing seller finance. Perfect. Let me call them up right away. And then you can take it and call that person when the time is convenient for you because you've already shown how professional you are when that person made the initial call. They got a pure, pretty letter from you, nice, nice, inviting yellow letter. They call, somebody answers. Not that they call and went to voicemail, right? Or not that they call and the call dropped, okay? Or not that they call and the, the, call, the store was closed. If they call it and it's 3.30 in the morning and they want to see if you up, let them call. Guess what? Cat Live is up. And that's the best thing you can do for your business. That's my testimony on Pat Live, and I've been using them for the past five years. And I wouldn't use anything else. Okay. Hope that helps. I have a question. Yes. Yeah, this is Shola from New Jersey. So yes, sir. If you use Pat Live, then what is the role of the VA? What's the difference? Well, the VA and Pat Live are two different organizations. Two completely different organizations. The VA, which if you have Ron LeGrand's VA, you're, they work for Global Publishing. They're, giving, they're making your outbound calls. Now, you can have some of your Pat Live calls directed to your VA, or you can send over of calls that you get from your, from your, your Pat Live 
you could say, hey, I'm busy. I can't make these calls. Let me send these calls over to my VA. And you could email those calls over to your VA, or you could set it up to where you could have Pat Live automatically call, automatically forward those calls over to your VA. But your VA, all they do is make outbound calls. Typically, people who either they either check it on Zillow or for sale by owner sites or Craigslist, they're making those outbound calls for you, and they're using a certain script to get their, their lead sheets. And these are the lead sheets that we went over on the call tonight. The difference is, one, there's two different organizations. Now, and, and let me tell you really what the real difference is. One, outbound calls being made. Two, Pat Live, those are inbound calls. See, the inbound calls are from the letters that you sent out in the mail, and these are people who picked up the phone and said, yes, I got a house for sale. Let me call this gentleman up. And then they call you, and then somebody answers. Pat Live answers, they send a call over to you, and then you follow up with them. Okay? Now, it's a double-edged sword because if this person calls you, right, person calls you up and say, I got a house for sale, right, and it's, it's today, it's Monday, and, they call, and you get that lead that day, Monday. If you forward over to your VA and say, VA, I'm afraid to call this person, you call because you're scared. The phone, the phone is weighing 500 pounds, or you don't know what to say or know what to do. And so you forward it over to your VA, it may take a couple of days for them to get to it. And all of a sudden, what if a guy like me who's hot to trot, I call that lead up in between your, your limbo time before the VA gets to it, and I close the deal. You lose money that way. Can that happen? Sure, sure it can happen. I think if the seller picks up the phone and raises their hand and says, call me, I got a house for sale, you need to treat that as a hot lead and call them right away instead of waiting and forwarding it over to somebody, waiting two, three days. That's what I do in my business, okay, because I'm taking responsibility for what I do in my business. I think you should do the same, but you don't have to. You don't, you don't have to do that. If you chose to do that, just know that it could be a time delay. Not that it has to be. It could be one. And you want to try to stop that right up front. You want to be able to get that seller who calls you today, get with them that same day. Don't have them wait four or five days for somebody to call them back. And then all that person's going to do is take the same information that Pat Live did because eventually you got to make the call. So I want to cut out one extra step. I want to call them right away and find out. Let's see what we can do and make a deal happen by the night. Does that make sense? Yeah, it makes sense. So if, if Pat Live is making those, uh, uh, if, if, if they're taking those inbound calls from sellers, so they, I'm right. assuming they have Ron, Ron's property information sheet, right? Yes. Have that. No, no, no. So they don't, Pat Live does not have, they don't have Ron's property information sheet. They have a script that Ron has given to them that they know that they have to use. You tell them you want the Ron LeGrand script, okay? And they know you're a Ron LeGrand student. They know what script to use. Because there's another bunch of other gurus that they service as well. And other gurus out there also have a particular script that they use. I know Robin Thompson has her own script. I know Cameron Dunlap has his own script. There's other gurus out there that have their own script. You want the Ron LeGrand script. And so they know what to say when that person calls your lead because you're using that particular script that's already programmed into your into their call center. When that call comes up, the screen the, the script pops up so they know what to do. So if if, if when when Pat Life hands me that lead, would I be able to tell if that seller is willing to do owner financing or a lease purchase or the property is owned free and clear? Are they gonna get those pertinent information? Those information that are sensitive, are they gonna get that information for me to be able to to make a judgment call when I follow up with that seller? Depending on how much information they're gathering from them. Probably not. 
Okay. Probably not. I don't think they're going to get – because the Pat Live person is not going to know what type of seller financing or, or, or lease options. They don't talk about any of that stuff whatsoever. They just ask if you've got a house for sale, great. I'll take the information now, and I'll have Mr. Jones get back to you, you know, in the next, you know, shortly. Okay. That's okay. it. Because they don't want – they haven't been through our training. They have no idea. Uh, how to how how what you've been through through the Quick Start School on how to present what you're trying to offer, and it's up to you to if they call and raise their hand and say, hey, I got a house for sale, let me call this person up because your yellow letter tells them that you're looking at buying their house. You would love to buy their house at one two three Main Street or whatever, right? right? And and they're saying, okay, I got a house for sale at one two three Main Street. Let me call this number up, and they gather information. They give they're getting information about the house at one two three Main Street, or maybe they say, well. I got a house, but the one on Main Street is sold, but I got another house. I've had many times that sellers had two or three different other houses other than the one that we sent the letter on and bought houses that way um, through that process. So you don't know if the seller is going to do lease options, seller finance. You need to get on the phone with them, and even in the VA. The VA may not know if they're going to do seller finance or lease options. You know, a lot of times I get, you know, seller was friendly, you know, uh, uh, wanted to know more about the lease option program or uh, would consider doing seller finance. And then you don't know when you get on the phone what they're really motivated about. They could have a free and clear house, and they have the house over, over leverage. So it's up to you as a professional to get on the phone with them to find out what kind of motivated seller are they. Are they in debt? Are they free and clear? Do they got to do a job relocation? Or do they have to do, you know, uh, are they going through a divorce or whatever it is? And you're going to find out what that situation is once you get on the phone. That's ultimately what you have to do on, on yourself. But they're just initially getting the information for you so that you can have a lead to call back. Good. Thank you very much. Make sense? Yeah, absolutely does. Thank you. Okay. All right. Who else we got? Let's see. We got about another 10 minutes on the call. Anybody else out there? You know, got some uh, questions? Let me see here. We got a lot of folks hanging in on the call, so that's pretty daggum good. Uh, I'm hoping you guys are getting a lot out of this call. Um, a little bit different from, from from the regular protocol, but I think we're just trying to give some value. Uh, if you got questions about Pat Live or questions about Yellow Letters or lease options or how do you structure deals, how do I structure deals, you know, how do, how do you make $100,000 on every deal that you do, Alton? You know, you want to know about that? I'm open to answer any questions you, you got. But one, one other question. How do you, can you um, how do you uh, if you have a lease, lease option, uh, you're buying a property on a lease option, uh, or lease purchase from a seller, how do you get into that conversation that you, you're really going to be soft-listing it, you're not going to be living in the property? How do you... How do you structure that conversation with the seller? When well, here's the deal. I mean, uh, who's bringing up the conversation? You or them? Well, I mean, I mean, they call me about a lead. I have a lead. You know, they, they want to sell a property, and uh, I'm, I want to buy the property. They don't want to. They have they have an underlying mortgage, so that they, they don't want to. They can't sell it free and clear. So, but they're okay with a lease purchase because right. they're moving out of town, and they're okay with the lease purchase. I've been able to negotiate. Great. A, a good uh, monthly payment, which is way below the rent rental value for the area, but how do you actually? But he, but they don't know yet that I'm going to sublease it. You know how would right. you how would you strike that conversation with with the seller? Well, I mean, it, it really, at the end of the day, you're doing a deal with them. Rather you're going to sublease it or not, it's it's actually irrelevant. I mean, 
unless they think it's more important, because at the end of the day, you're going to be paying them a monthly sure. payment. And if that's all they want is a monthly payment per month, rather than pay, because the payment's coming from you, yeah. or is it coming from your tenant buyer? It's going to yeah. come from you. So who cares if you, I mean, you, see, here's what's going to happen. You could always say, and this is what I've done in the past. I've said, Mr. Seller, you know, I mean, I'm not going to live in this property. I have a list of buyers, tenant buyers, or, or I say I have a list of executive buyers that have relocated to the area and they're looking at qualifying for a home, but the banks sometimes don't qualify them right away because of their two-year job history they don't have. And so we try, we find that our executive buyers that come in the area that's trying to locate, your house will be perfect for them that they can lease it for a period, a period of two years and then at that time get a bank loan and cash this out so that way your loan is paid off and we get paid the money that we uh, get from, from bringing them to the, to, the, to the deal. It comes from them, not from you. So if we're buying a house for 200000 we may be selling it to them for 225000 And that money we get from them in the middle is what we get. And we'll get that money down the line once we cash you out. Sometimes we'll get some money up front, but sometimes we'll get money over time. It's okay to be transparent. But at the end of the day, it's okay to tell them I'm not going to live in a house. One of my executive buyers will live in a house who have relocated to the area and now looking to get into a house that they can't normally necessarily qualify for a bank loan today, but they can qualify tomorrow. They got great income. They got great job history. They got, uh, uh, you know, good, good um, uh, rental history. And we verify that thing. We do a background check, criminal background check, a rental check, all these checks to make sure they meet the qualifications that we're looking for. We very have a very stringent operation. And there's a guy that we use through Rowland Grant called ScreenTheTenant.com. That's ScreenTheTenant.com. Again, that ScreenTheTenant.com is who we use when we're trying to screen tenants that we're trying to put into our properties. And this is a nationwide program uh, that, that Ron has, been, has rolled out with, uh, with uh, his students. So you can obviously find that on the Go Club website if you want to know more information about ScreenTheTenant.com uh, to get more information. He's actually a student of Ron LeGrand's as well who's gone through the Quick Start School, so he completely understands how our business model works. Mm-hmm. Okay. Good. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Thank you. Um, excuse me. I have a question. Yes. Who's this? Um, this is Irina, and I'm from uh, Bellingham, Washington. Okay. Um, my question is: um, You mentioned um, that you use Pat Live, and they ask. So they usually they ask the basic questions: the name, the um, house, and they can be reached, the address of the house. And where um, you know any comments? Um, yes. Yeah. You said that typically you um, you call them back. I was just curious um, which um, um, script you use. If you use like if you have your own, or if you use a specific one of, of Ron. Yeah, we use the one in the Quick Start Training Manual, the one that's in there that tells you how to co- contact a seller. And you're going to know based on the conversation. First, you're going to have a you know a relationship building conversation with them to find out a little bit more common things about them. Okay. And so another thing too is when you get the stuff information from Pat Live, they've already got the address here. So guess what I'm gonna do? Before I call them, I'm gonna run the address. I'm gonna do a title check real I I'm a realtor out here so I can get access to information to about property, uh, title information, values, stuff like that. I'll have a ton of information at my fingertips 
by the time I make that phone call. So when I've already when I'm gonna ask the question, I'm gonna ask the question I already know the answer to. So I'm gonna not just call them cold because I got the script in front of me, I mean I got the lead sheet in front of me. I'm gonna do a little homework before I make that phone call about okay, let's see. I can find out does this person have a loan on the house, how long they had the loan, how long they've been in the loan, how much is the loan, or what their monthly payment on the loan is, uh who who other than them is on title, if there's multiple people on title, if it's a person, individual or corporation, uh, if they've been in default before in the past, um, um, and, and, and then the, the value of the house is because of the recent comparables that I'll pull along with the details of the comp. So when I'm calling them back, one, I'm going to use a script that we have through our Quick Start Real Estate School Training Manual, but also I'm going to kind of use my own personality to kind of, kind of break the ice, if you will. Break the ice. Get them to like them, get them to like me and trust me. I don't want to sound robotic on the phone with them when I'm talking to them because you don't have to know anything, but you know when somebody's reading the script. You know that without even any training or experience, you don't want to sound robotic. You want to sound as if we're having a conversation. So what I do now, and I know we got a few people on the call, but here's some key things that I do when I'm making my phone call. One, I got the information in front of me, like I told you, right? And two, when I make the call, I stand up. I'm not sitting down making that phone call. I'm standing up. I got my little podium in front of me. I have my paperwork right there in front of me. And I'm gonna, if they're going to tell me no, I'm not going to take that no sitting down. It's like somebody punching you in the face while you're sitting down. It's going to hurt more. But if I'm standing up and I'm erect and I can take that punch standing up, then I'm like a boxer. I'm bobbing and weaving. And I'll get back in the game because I'm getting hit with an objection here, hit with an objection there, and I'm ducking and dodging them. I'm answering the, uh, the objections, you know, about what their concerns are. That's all objections are. They're areas of concern. But I want to be able to make them feel comfortable enough to move forward. The only thing I care about is if they're going to accept terms on the deal that we're doing. Are they willing to do terms? I didn't talk about price, how much money, what kind of monthly payments. I'm more concerned about, are you willing to do terms, okay? Because I ain't paying cash. I don't have no money, okay? I'm not going to go out there and get a bank loan from a national bank. I want to know if you're willing to do terms. And if you are, lease options, seller finance, taking over debt subject too, okay? Because I'm going to find out all the things about the house when I'm asking questions, but I'm already going to know the answer because I have it at my fingertips. I want to get them talking about their house because the more they talk about the house, they love to talk about themselves versus me doing all the talking. I want to listen to them. I want to listen more and talk less. So, therefore, if we're able to determine they're going to take terms, that's when I go set an appointment to go out and see the house. Mm-hmm. And when I go out there and see the house, I'm going to do the same thing Ron does. I'm going to walk around the house, look around, bedroom, bedroom, bathroom, bathroom, you know, kitchen, and then say, okay. I like If I like the house, we're going to move forward. And then we can start talking about some more, you know, turkey. And if they have any questions for me, you know, if they have any questions for me, they'll ask the question. If not, we can go do the paperwork and get it done. Done deal. It's that simple, folks. It's that simple. There's no rocket science about it. If you don't mess it up, you know, you mess it up when you start thinking, I can force a, I can force a pass. I can force a pass between two receptors and, 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 and and you try to go out and say, well, I can make them want to do terms. I can make them hopefully want to do terms. Well, if they already told you they want a traditional sale, you know, or they, they want a cash, you know, deal, why are we going to go see people who 
want a regular sale. They want a regular traditional type sale. They don't want to do terms. I don't want to go see a house because it's nice and pretty. That ain't going to make me no money. I'm in the business of making money, not seeing pretty houses, you know, for a living. I want to figure out how that pretty house can turn into, you know, a pretty bank account. So mm-hmm. save yourself some time and don't go fall in love because they got a nice looking house on, t- on, 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 on some kind of uh, a Zillow or a website. Because if they already told you we ain't doing terms, what are we going to go see the house for? So that's my take on it because you only got so much time. You know, you got you got to get it done before, you know, this whole market turns around and do something different, you know. A whole bunch of things can change in the next year sometime with a new Congress, a new, new election, and all kind of crazy things that can go on in the world. So you got to figure out what's going to be, what, how you're going to make your business run, you know. How you going to run your business and how you going to make money from it, you know. Because so, some folks on the phone are part-time, and there's some folks on the phone are full-time. Some folks have had a lot of success, and some folks have had very little success or no success so far. And where you are now today is not where you're going to end, Okay. So don't think that because you haven't done a deal yet that it's not possible. It's so possible. It's just a click of the mind thinking. Okay? If you think you can, you can. And if you think you can't, guess what? You can't. Mind over matter. It don't mind. I don't matter. i got another question for you, Alton. Do yes, you have sir. time? Yeah, we got about one minute left before this thing blows up on us. Okay, uh, we just talked to a seller recently. Uh, he wants, he's okay, he's willing to do terms, uh, but he wants 4% interest. How do you deal with that? I love it, man. 4% ain't nothing. Man, look, what's the difference in the monthly payment on 4% versus no interest? Not much, a few dollars. Give this little old lease at 4%. If that's going to get the deal done, and you're going to make more money when you get a, de- a deposit from a tenant buyer, because guess what? You're going to charge your tenant buyer more money anyway. You're probably going to charge your tenant buyer 10% more. Okay, the, uh, the, rent, uh, the, rent right? comps, the rent comps show uh, $1,400 a month. With the 4% right? interest, uh, this would come out to about $1,900 a month. Does that still work? Are you sure that's nineteen hundred dollars? He's not right. No. No, that's too high. I don't think that number's right. Yeah, that's incorrect. It's uh, it's uh, the house is worth four hundred twenty thousand. Right. And uh, if you take thirty year amortization over four percent, and add it to uh, monthly payment, it works out to about nineteen hundred dollars a month. Okay. But nineteen hundred dollars a month. So that's yeah, that's a payment of four hundred thousand. You're right. But but you say the rent comps are showing fourteen hundred, right? Yes. Yes. Okay. So here's the deal. Remember, folks, when you're looking at mortgages versus rent, you're looking at night and day. Those are those are two different planets. Two different planets. So right. a person who's buying a house, okay, is going to be different from a person who's renting a house. So you got to be able to say, okay, because are they putting anything down? I mean, because if you're buying it, at how much? How much you buying for four hundred thousand? Four hundred twenty thousand, and he's telling you he wants nineteen hundred a month. Basically, what he's telling you, right? Yes. So yes. So so, and you're saying, are you buying the house at four hundred thousand? Is that the market price, or is that below market price? That's the. It's worth four hundred twenty, and he wants four hundred twenty. So he wants market price for a house at nineteen hundred. That you turn around. You're saying that you can't turn around and sell for more than nineteen hundred per month. 
must be parent. Is that what you're saying? Yes. So that's probably going to be a no deal because you're going to be upside down. If you can only get $1,400 a month rent from that, if that's the maximum you can rent, rent you're going to be in a hole 500 bucks a month. You're going to move on to the next week. Okay. Does that make sense? Yes. Thank you. You can negotiate that. You you can negotiate that, sir. Okay. So try to get the payment down from them. Try to get them to take the four percent on the on the monthly rent instead of the mortgage. Right. Yeah, that's what you can do. You can try to do the four percent on the monthly rent versus the mortgage. Oh, I didn't know you heard me. Can you hear me? Are you still there? Yeah, I'm here. I didn't know you heard me, though. <laughs> no, I heard you. I heard you. Yeah, because yes. you weren't on Star 6. <laughs> Does that make sense? You can, you can How would you structure this, Alton? Yeah, say it again. How would you structure this? Well, first of all, I would structure it this way. Number one, I got to find out, by that $400,000, is that house free? Can you say the house is free and clear or no? Yes. Okay, so if that house is free and clear, he wants four hundred and twenty. We're gonna to have to struggle stuff down because he wants four hundred twenty. Don't mean he's gonna get four twenty because you got to show him the facts. There's no way I could buy this house and rent it out for nineteen hundred dollars a month. That's the reality. You can check Zillow. You can check all these different areas where the rent's there. Is this an area that's growing or coming down? So yeah, growing. Here's what you do. What you do? You could do a lease option. Just lease option. Don't even do a buy on it. Don't do owner finance on it. I like all my properties. I buy them on the finance. I love them because I can sell the property 100%. I own title to it. But if you got an area where a person who's unreasonable, you got to do the same. Let me ask some of the seller, what could you rent this house out for? And shut up. Let him answer. Because he can't tell you he's going to be able to rent it out for 1900 Because you're going to show him proof. Boom. Look at the area over here. Ain't nothing over here renting for 1900 So I will buy you a house, but I'll buy it on a lease option. And I'm going to pay you $1,400 a month. That's what the market rent is. Even if you pay them a little more, $1,500 a month, and if you turn around and get your tenant buyer to pay you $1,600 a month, okay, you go in there with nothing down or give them first, last, and security deposit. And then you turn around and get your tenant buyer to give you a bigger down payment because you're doing a lease option because he wants all the gusto out of this house. He's saying, my house worth $420, I'm selling for $420. And if he's selling for four twenty, then how much you gonna sell it to your tenant buyer for? Four forty? You need a discount place. You need a discount. See that guy right. wanna, he wants to, he wants all his money. He might as well just list his house and sell it on the open market. You know? Right. He put he saying he basically saying he don't want you to make no money. Right, because you're trying to buy this if my understanding is correct, you're trying to buy this and sell it as a wholesale. So right. in order to do that, you have to buy it lower than the retail value, which is the market value. Right, right. So you got to ask for a discount price at what, maybe 20 to 30% or something like this in order to make money? Yes? Well, that's typically how I buy them. But, but in this case here, right. and the seller the seller is making money. He's making plenty of money because he has a free and clear house. But yes. you can negotiate, you know, at least 10% down, I mean 10% off the price. I would start there and see how you go. So that being said, I know the seller probably is hardcore on their price, but guess what? Not every deal where somebody says, I could do owner finance, I'll owner finance you, I'll sell it to you, sell it to you. Not every one of those deals you do that you see are not going to be a deal. 
if the seller is in, is not flexible in working with you. Not yeah, every deal is a deal. Yeah. Yeah, he's got some kind of meat on the bone for you. If he doesn't, then it doesn't behoove you to uh, uh, take on the deal. It's just a right. no-brainer. Like, yeah, sometimes you, know, you got to be willing to step away and then come back right. some other day. You know, exactly. you know this, is not a, this is not the deal I could – you got to be able to be able to walk away from the deal receiving nothing and be able to say, okay, but then maybe I'll check back with you in three months and see how he does with the sale of his house then. And then guess what? He'll drop that price. Exactly. I've had people waiting for me for eight months, waiting for me to buy their houses. And guess what? I bought them at a lower price. And that's okay to do. So, but folks, right now we're after 6 p.m. I'm over on the call. I, I, it's been real exciting. I enjoy every this. Later, I don't want to introduce anybody else on the call. So, uh, with that, if there's no more immediate questions, it's 6.07 now. I'm going to terminate the call. It's been great. Go out there. Get on GoPub website to get further information as to what's happened with uh, Global Publishing and some of our next events. And I look forward to seeing you at the top because the bottom is too crowded. Thank you, Alton. Thank you, Alton. Thanks, Alton. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Alton. It was a pleasure. I enjoyed it.